Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Information discussed in this podcast may be sensitive in nature to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. The year 1997 had many ups and downs, not just in the United States, but in the world as a whole. Pop culture saw hit movies like Men in Black and The Lost World, Jurassic Park, be released into theaters, breaking box office records. Television had historical moments as well. Netflix was launched, and shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Crocodile Hunter debuted on TV sets across the nation. We listened to music from Spice Girls, Backstreet Boys, and Leanne Rimes. Lydia Ann Perkins was 14 years old in 1997, and I have to wonder, was she listening to the pop sensation of the Spice Girls? Did she have a Backstreet Boys crush? Or did she prefer the Southern country voice of Leanne Rimes? Lydia was living and growing up in the northwest area of Lexington, Kentucky, in a neighborhood known as Cardinal Valley. Lydia had a younger brother, Justin, who was just two years her junior, and they lived with their mom, and nearby many other family members. On October 26, 1997, Lydia and her brother had visited with their grandmother that day. Later on, they went to Lydia's boyfriend's house, and after some time there, Lydia's brother left, and shortly after, Lydia also left. She was seen walking home in her neighborhood. Her brother had gone off to one of his other friends' house, and he would be home later that evening. Lydia made it home and called one of her cousins on the phone. But from there, Lydia seems to vanish into thin air. When her brother returns home, Lydia isn't there and no one has seen her. Searches turn up no sign of Lydia and she is quickly reported missing. Where is Lydia Ann Perkins? Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Where Are They podcast and another unsolved missing person story. All missing person stories are tragic and sad. Some are confusing and some are mysterious, but it's the case of children that always seem to get to me the most. Lydia Perkins was 14 years old in 1997. Yes, she was a teenager. 
Yes, teenagers have minds of their own, but 14 is still a child. Isn't there a reason we don't allow 14-year-olds to live on their own, to vote, to drive a car? They aren't emotionally ready for all of the responsibility that brings. Yet when a 14-year-old goes missing, they are often labeled as a runaway and law enforcement doesn't want to bother searching. They are, in the minds of the law, just a runaway. They chose to be missing. But why don't we take those cases just as seriously? They can't just run away and live on their own, right? Are we supposed to just let them? In my mind, they are in danger being out there. They are vulnerable to being taken advantage of in many instances, and their lives are most definitely at risk. Now, in the case of Lydia Perkins, we don't know for sure that she was a runaway. In fact, many signs point to her not being a runaway. But as you'll see, searches for her after her disappearance were practically non-existent, at least from law enforcement standpoint. Since we do have limited information on Lydia's case, let's jump right into Lydia's story. Lydia Ann Perkins was born to mom Sherry on December 21st, 1982. Two years later, Lydia would have a younger brother named Justin, and the two were very close growing up. They were only two years apart in age, and they shared some of the same friends and friend groups. In 1997, Lydia was 14 and Justin was 12. And I really wish I could tell you more about who Lydia was in 1997, maybe what her hobbies were, what her personality was like but I just don't know. If you look into Lydia's case, you'll find very little information on who Lydia was as a young teenager. The Disappearance. On Sunday, October 26, 1997, Lydia and her brother Justin went to go visit their grandmother. And after spending some time there, they decided to both walk over to Lydia's boyfriend's house, where they would all hang out together for a while. From there, 12-year-old Justin decided he wanted to go over to one of his friend's houses, and he left. Lydia would leave her boyfriend's house a short time later, telling him that she was going home to her house in the Cardinal Valley subdivision. When she reached her house, she phoned her cousin, and they chatted for a bit. No one else was home at Lydia's house at that time. A little while later, Justin returned home from his friend's house and found that Lydia wasn't home. Quick searches of the area turned up no signs of Lydia, and she wasn't with any of her friends. Her mother had returned home by now also and was panicked trying to find Lydia, but there was just no sign of her anywhere, and no one seemed to know where she was or where she could have gone. Lydia had just disappeared. That evening, the evening of October 26th, Lydia was reported missing to the local police department. The Search and Investigation Generally, when covering a case, this is the area where we have the most information. Finding information on the person before their disappearance can sometimes be difficult, and even the disappearance itself often has limited details. But by the time the person has disappeared and the media now picks it up, even if just briefly, there are usually some details about the searches itself and the investigation. What areas should we be looking in? Where did she like to frequent? Who were her friends, her boyfriend, 
what clues, if any, were discovered. All of these can help the public in keeping their eyes open for Lydia, in helping look for Lydia. But there was nothing. Granted, this was in 1997, so most media was print-based, and news clips are likely archived if there were any. Not everyone had the internet, and there was no Facebook, and few people even had cell phones at that time. We don't really know exactly what was done in the way of searches, but it does seem that authorities initially blew her off as a runaway teenager and said she would likely come back on her own, just give it some time. And in fact, Lydia had left home once before, but her mom said that she had stayed in the neighborhood that whole time, and she wasn't gone long. A few of the neighbors, at least, were interviewed, and it was confirmed that Lydia was seen walking near her home heading towards her house. This would have coincided with the time she had left her boyfriend's house, so that part of the story seemed to check out. Her cousin came forward and said that Lydia had also called her once she made it home from their home phone. So it was believed that although she was last seen walking through the neighborhood, it's presumed that she at least made it home because of that call she made to her cousin. But where did she go from there? Lexington, Kentucky. Lexington, Kentucky is known as the horse capital of the world. Here you'll find famous racetracks such as the Kentucky Horse Park, the Red Mile, and Keeneland. Lexington is also home to the University of Kentucky. The entire area of Lexington, including all the outlying neighborhoods, has a population of over 700,000 people. Geographically, Lexington sits in the north-central part of the state, about an hour south of Cincinnati, Ohio. Interstate 75 runs north and south right through the city, and Interstate 64 runs east and west, bringing two very major U.S. highways right through the center of the city. Specifically, Lydia lived in the neighborhood subdivision known as Cardinal Valley. This was a 1950s neighborhood of ranch brick-style homes. There were sidewalks and there were streetlights, and in 1997, this was generally a safe area. Lydia lived here along with her mother, Sherry, and brother, Justin. She also had some family in the area and lots of friends nearby, many within walking distance. Cardinal Valley is located in the northwest part of Lexington, just northwest of the downtown area, but still within the Lexington city limits. Reports do vary as to where exactly Lydia was last known to be. Some missing person files have her last known location to be near the corner of Piccadilly Street and Rugby Road within Cardinal Valley, However, we know that she made it home because she had called her cousin on the phone. But then it makes me wonder, without having exact details in her files as far as a timeline or timestamps, was she seen at Piccadilly and Rugby before or after she called her cousin? It's a pretty populated little area. It's a neighborhood, and it was a Sunday afternoon. There were no additional sightings of Lydia. Either no one noticed the teen walking away from her home, Or she left her home in another way. Perhaps she was picked up in her car. The crime rate in Kentucky, specifically Lexington, has grown significantly each year since 2000, according to the records that I could find. However, data pre-2000 is a little bit harder to decipher. What was Lexington like in 1997? 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Active Serial Killers Interestingly, there is some discussion on active serial killers that may have been active during 1997, possibly even in Kentucky. Samuel Little Samuel Little was born in 1940 and essentially began committing crimes at a very young age. This was a man who was arrested over 100 times, but he always seemed to get himself released or acquitted or very short prison sentences. Many of his arrests were for rape, murder, kidnapping, horrendous crimes, yet he still would only serve a couple of years. In 1961, he was arrested and sentenced to three years. He would be released in 1964. In 1982, he was arrested again for murder, but a grand jury failed to indict him. Later that same year, he was charged with murder again in Florida, but he was acquitted after going to trial. In 1984, he was arrested in California, and this time he would spend another three years in prison, and he would be released again in 1987. And he would remain a free man until 2012, when he was arrested for murder in Louisville, Kentucky. Samuel Little confessed to murdering 93 women between 1970 and 2005. And the FBI was actually able to confirm that he was indeed responsible for at least 60 of those. This is the largest number of victims for any serial killer in the United States history. Samuel was free during 1997 when Lydia went missing. He also has ties to Kentucky, and that's where he ended up actually being arrested. And he confessed to murdering young women in Kentucky. It was said that he generally seemed to prefer to target prostitutes and homeless women, however. Of all of the active serial killers during 1997, Samuel Little seems to have the most ties to Kentucky, but there were also Robert Eugene Brashers, Andre Crawford, Joseph Duncan, Terry Blair, James Bradley, and even a few others. A lot of these seem to focus their crimes in other geographical areas. However, a lot of them happened in states surrounding Kentucky. Looking at Samuel Little, however, you have to wonder, could he have been in the area and spotted Lydia? She wasn't really his target type unless something else drew him to her. I do think it's a long shot, but also can't be ruled out, especially with the number of victims Samuel Little had. Questions. As in all of these unsolved cases, there are so, so many questions. Here are a few that keep coming to my mind. Number one, what was the conversation between Lydia and her cousin about? Did Lydia talk about any plans for that evening, possibly going somewhere or to someone else's house? This could certainly point authorities in a direction to look. 
And I would like to think that they know this information and that the family has this information and has followed up on it. But it could help the public too when it comes to people in that area being in the lookout for something suspicious or out of the ordinary. Number two, was Lydia's boyfriend able to provide any insight at all? What was Lydia's mindset like? Did she tell him about any plans she wanted to have for that evening? Number three, were there any unconfirmed leads or sightings that would come in later? Possibilities to follow up on, and if so, were they actually followed up on? Number four, what did the search for Lydia really look like? Did law enforcement talk to neighbors? How many neighbors did they talk to? Did they talk to friends and family? Were there any organized ground searches? It seems that the family has mentioned some ground searches that they participated in, but was law enforcement involved or was this simply a volunteer effort? Number five, was there anyone else in Lydia's life that should be looked at? Any older adults, teachers, or other people that Lydia may have trusted that maybe Lydia was close to? Number six, Was anything of Lydia's missing? Did she take any of her personal belongings with her? What questions do you have? If you are watching on YouTube, please leave them in the comments below. If you're on audio, please head over to our social media and comment under Lydia's picture. Let's see what else we can find out about Lydia's disappearance. Someone has to know something. Lydia is believed to have possibly run away or ran into something nefarious, either kidnapping or maybe foul play. Authorities used to believe that she was a runaway, but I wonder if they still do. Her family, including her brother and mother, believe that she must have encountered foul play somehow because she wouldn't have run away. And if she had, she especially wouldn't have run away for so long. It has been 26 years since Lydia vanished. What do you think happened to 14-year-old Lydia Perkins back in 1997? Lydia is described as a Caucasian female, 4 foot 11 inches tall, and weighed around 90 pounds when she was last seen in October of 1997. Lydia was 14 years old then and would today be 40 years old. Lydia has red hair, hazel eyes, and a brown circular birthmark on the right side of her neck. She also has a couple of scars on her right eyebrow and in the center of her forehead, and both of her ears are pierced. Anyone with any information is asked to contact the Lexington Fayette Urban County Division of Police at 859-258-3600. Lydia does have an entry in the NamUs database, although it wasn't officially entered in until 2009. There is also DNA on file to match her with any possible Jane Doe's. So far, there have been no leads. Lydia Ann Perkins was just 14 years old in 1997. She had her whole life ahead of her. With any luck, she is out there and living her life under a different name, maybe a different identity. Although that does seem unlikely, especially with so much time having gone by, the truth is, We just don't know. Justin, Lydia's brother, and Sherry, Lydia's mother, ended up moving away from Cardinal Valley in Lexington after several years because it was just too painful to stay there. There were just too many reminders. 
Justin, now a father of daughters himself, said he finds himself being a very overprotective dad, especially with his girls because of what he went through with Lydia's disappearance. He even named one of his daughters after Lydia, and he still hopes to one day at least, one day, have some answers. Thank you for listening to Lydia's story today. As I said, we don't know much. There's not much to go on here. But I still feel her story needs to get out there. At 14 years old, Lydia was just a child. If authorities did not hit the ground running to search for her back in October of 1997, they failed Lydia and they failed her family. Please share her name, share her story however you can, in any way that you can. I welcome all thoughts, feedback, and questions via social media or email at any time to canwefindthem at gmail.com. I also need those case suggestions from you, the cases that no one has heard about, the people who have vanished and the media has not picked up on it, at least not to the extent that they should. There is power in numbers, and those are the cases that we need to be talking about. A big thank you to everyone who supports us over on Patreon. I appreciate your support. And with that, I'm able to help the families of the missing through their GoFundMes or directly or to show our continued support to the charities that we have mentioned in these episodes. If you are interested in joining our detective group over on Patreon, you can find that link in the show notes. You can also support our show simply by subscribing to our audio podcast and leaving us a five-star review. And if you are watching on YouTube, giving us a subscribe and a thumbs up helps us tremendously. Also, if you have any charities that you'd like to recommend or ideas for fundraising for them, please send me a message with that info as well. Thank you again so much for listening to Lydia's story today. A young girl cannot just vanish into thin air. Her family has waited far too long for answers on what happened to their daughter, to their sister, to their friend. We will be back again very soon with another Unsolved Missing Persons episode. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.